Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello, homeschoolers, and welcome back to Homeschool Together. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a chance, head down into the show notes. We're going to have links and and to all the things, as well as our YouTube channel and how to support the podcast. If you have a chance, leave us a review and uh, maybe check out some of our resource guides as well. So today we are on part two. Last week on Monday, we released our first episode regarding de-schooling. We talked a lot about sort of the meta view of of de-schooling and I think today we're going to get a little bit more into the nuts and bolts of how you would want to approach the act of de-schooling some ideas on what you can you know take home and 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 plan that and put that into practice and and see if that can help you and your learner as you guys transition out of kind of a more traditional education environment into a homeschooling environment or Mm -hmm. a co-op or a parent partnership whatever you choose to do in your homeschool with your student, um, Ariel, homeschool and de-schooling. Yeah, I have so much to say. Uh, let's let's get into it. Yeah, we we had to break this into two pieces because our, our first piece, if you haven't listened to that yet, that was last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt will link it in the show notes, but I highly recommend that you start there because we talk about the importance of de-schooling and yeah. um, some of the challenges that you might encounter when you start to de-school and things you need to kind of keep in mind um, that you might, you know, things that might crop up. So I think that's a really good place to yep. start. Um, but just to to kind of ground us here, you know, de-schooling is this process of changing your mindset. And this is not just your learner, but this is also you changing your mindset from school environment to a homeschool environment. And they're very different. Mm-hmm. So if your kids are coming from school, this is that time when they're going to, you know, change over into the mode of homeschooling if your kids have never been to school, but you, of course, went to school. There's very few multi-generational homeschoolers out there. We have met some, Um, but in general, we have a lot of baggage um, that we're bringing into this experience from our own public or private school past Mm -hmm. um, that that we need to kind of de-school ourselves. So it's amazing how something that happened to you, I mean, in, in my case, stuff that happened to me 30 years ago still impacts the way that I think about some parts of schooling. Mm-hmm. So it is really important that this is not just about kids, this is about parents too. But a general rule of thumb is that this is going to be about a month for every year your kid was in school. So then question, does this mean that since we were in school for, you know, 13 years and then we went to college for four, so 17, is this going to take me two years to get over? Um, so uh, that's a rhetorical. I don't yeah. know. It, I don't know the answer. It, it might. You, and you, you know. and I still find myself and we are yeah. like in our, our in our like uh, fourth, fourth year. year of homeschooling. And I still find myself at times having to go, no, Ariel. they're not in school don't worry about it like take a step back so i think that stuff is really ingrained in us the longer that we went to school and that whole culture of school well especially when you're starting to that i've I've started to notice when we get into this more rigorous aspect where i'm expecting you know my learner to know things and she's doing that well in math and and whatnot and reading as well but 
you know, when it comes to our ancient history journey that we're starting to chronicle on, on YouTube, if, if you want to follow along, um, I'm trying to start to think about like, okay, is she, re- she needs to sort of pay attention and right, there's some like assessment. Yeah. You want to know that she's grokking it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've got to make sure that, you know, I'm not pushing too hard on that because, you know, do realize she is second grade. She's not going to expect to, you know, right. You but know, we who do, are all these people and where all these places we are. We do want this to be valuable yes. still. Um, and, and yeah, the older that she gets, and I know this is going to be a problem when we get into like middle school and then high school that I'm going to be, there's going to be a lot of feelings that I have. And yeah. I wonder if you kind of have to de-school as a parent at each level, yep. right? So right now we're both de-schooling our elementary school experiences. Yeah. And then when we get into middle school, oh, there's gonna be a lot to unpack in middle school. <laughs> middle school was hard for, I, I don't know a single person who said, gosh, my favorite years were middle school. Oh. <laughs> Everybody has like these terrible memories of being, it's it's such an awkward time and uh, I digress. Anyway, so <laughs> it's a it's a month, a month for every year that they're in school. And then that's just a guideline, mm-hmm. guidelines. Um, it could be less, it could be more. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, de-schooling is not a period when you know that you're done. And yeah. I think that that's kind of, that's especially true with parents is that it may be something that you have to kind of come back with. Um, I, I've done a lot of therapy for my anxiety. And it's one of the things that the the, uh, the teacher says, like, never cured, but it's just something that you live with and you'll, you may have to, like, face it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think for our kids, if they haven't been in school very long, they probably are curable. But as adults, I don't. I don't know if we're curable. I think that every once in a while it crops back up and we have to like remind ourselves, no, wait, it's cool. We're we're homeschooling. So this is that transition period. There isn't a defined end to it necessarily. Um, And this, it looks different for every family. Um, And it's really important to know that during this de-schooling period, it doesn't mean that we are not homeschooling. We're actively homeschooling. But it's, I I loved what you said before we started that you said it's the intention and the attention. Mm -hmm. This is that really intentional period where we're giving lots of focus to the fact that we know that we're changing our cultural mindset. Um, So I think that's really great. Let's get into the steps. So first one that we have here is transparency. And this is something I always, Mm -hmm. I I really lean on because I think a lot of times when we are trying to, you know, covertly do something like, hey, mom and dad are approaching this idea of de-schooling, you know, and you're trying to do things and handle things and you're, you're watching and you're trying to do these methods and it may seem a little awkward to the to the learner and they're trying to be like mom's acting weird or dad's acting strange about this type of stuff they never really cared as much before why are they caring now and all this type of of, of you know interpreting what they're experiencing i always find that it's almost like a romance movie you know you know those like rom-coms mm-hmm. like if they would just talk in the first 20 minutes the movie would be over there wouldn't be a there wouldn't yeah. be a movie if and everyone would just communicate in yeah. any romantic comedy ever <laughs> and, we, and we always talk about you know communication being super important for you know just not just a relationship with your spouse but also with your children and i think mm-hmm. transparency is is that first i think it's the first piece of of homeschooling is is this open dialogue and this this experience Absolutely. this this open and authentic experience and i think we always talk about that like the authenticity mm-hmm. and i think with authenticity is a measure of transparency that comes from, I mean, they don't have to know everything. No, but I think you need to be really transparent and open and honest with them about Mm -hmm. 
why you've chosen homeschooling, whatever your reasons are that, you know, you as a parent have made this decision. I mean, if it, unless this was like their decision and you're just supporting them in that because they're an older student, I mean, you need to talk with them about why are we doing this? What is our purpose? And really connect with your core purpose for homeschooling and explain to them why you think that this is going to be better for them, for the family. Be open with them about the fact that this is a transition time and that it might be a little rocky and that you're going to get through this together. As we said last week, this is a team sport. Mm -hmm. So really emphasizing with them that you're going to work through any concerns that they have um, and you're going to work through issues and you're going to work through those together, I think is really important. But also your feelings as well. Like, you know, their feelings on on being transitioned to be a homeschooler, your feelings as being an educator, Mm -hmm. right? And then the emotions around the fact that you are now a parent educator, which can be very difficult because you're a disciplinarian parent, you know, the love you give to them and the relationships you have with them. Now you have to also tell them they're right and wrong and you need to work harder and you need to do all this type of stuff. And that may not have been something we did before. It's just right. another layer of emotions. It's a different and role. And yes. I think a lot of parents definitely feel apprehension, unless you have an educational background, you might feel a lot of apprehension at now being a parent educator. So this is the mm-hmm. time when you need to be open and honest with your kids about your feelings stepping into this. Hey, you know, mom's feeling, I'm feeling kind of nervous about this new role. I'm a little bit worried about teaching math or whatever. And this is not to lay a bunch of worries on their shoulders. Definitely not. I mean, yeah. this, this, you know, you need to find a mom bestie to do that with that you can like <laughs> talk with and share with that kind of thing. This isn't to burden them. This is to be um, open with them and share with them that show, you may have that, some unease as well. Show them the vulnerability and that you're, exactly. wo- you're willing to, to show that you're a little bit of vulnerable mm-hmm. so that if you're in that situation with your learner, that they will also be vulnerable back to you and tell right. them, tell you what they're feeling and, and, and what they're experiencing. And that's I think really important, especially when you're trying to figure out what is going to work best. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit easier when they're younger, but I could imagine this being very complex with, say, a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old right. or a 14-year-old. And that kind of open dialogue and the open exchange of, of right. feelings and emotions. I know this kind of sounds like woo-woo, you know. And, no, and oh my all gosh, connection is so important. And yeah. this, is really, this is really key, too, because you want their feedback. You want their honest feedback too, because you're making, you you want their help. Like what what is working best for you? What, what have you always wanted when it came to, you know, writing essays? I know it can be like kind of a strange thing is like, what do you want when you have to write a, you know, what are your goals as a student, especially if you've got a younger student, that's, that's, you know, kind of different. You're setting more of their goals. I mean, they can definitely tell you what they're interested in and you Mm -hmm. want their input, but if you have an older student, what are their like life goals or their real interests? You definitely want their input and you want them to be honest with their feedback Mm -hmm. to you. So this is about you, you express to them your, your feelings and you encourage them to be honest and transparent back with you about how they feel so you can work together to, you know, you're not going to hurt mommy's feelings if you say that you don't like the way that this is going. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that just because they said they don't like math that you're like, ah, got to scrap that curriculum. But it, it may give you a starting place to say, mm, maybe I need to do math um, in the morning when they're fresher, or maybe I need to or, change this up, or maybe mm-hmm. we play more games or, you know, whatever. Mommy, mom, you don't need to look over my shoulder. I can do this alone. I just, I feel nervous when you are sitting here right. staring at me. 
and I feel like I'm going to have to perform or, or something like that. And sure. that type of communication can alleviate some of the strain around the education because it may not be a curriculum problem. It may be a, a you problem or right. a them problem. Or You're you know, all just figuring out, oh, I don't like doing this um, in the kitchen. Yeah. I like to do it in my room because yeah. I, I feel I can focus more, whatever it is. Yeah, like my daughter likes to read her on, on her all about reading curriculum. She likes to read her reader book on the couch and she doesn't like to sit at the table it just feels like she's performing for everybody or somebody's watching her. She has a lot more, you know, comfort sitting on the couch. I mean, it could just be a simple thing like that. Right. It doesn't yeah. have to be complex, but this is the point where you want to get their feelings and then you want to get their input, mm-hmm. right? You want them to, these kids are really used to school telling them exactly oh, yeah. what they're going to learn. Um, so without their input at all. So this is a point to be transparent and stress to them that this is their education. You are a partner in their education. You're on the team with them, but you're here to support them in the goals that they want and the, and the, the learning for them. This is, this is a tailor-made education. So you want their input. You absolutely want their input. And this may be the first time that your learner is being asked, like you can imagine a, a, a ninth grader or, or a middle schooler, you know, what do you like? And mm-hmm. let's start to build something around what you want to do. Right. Or what do you think you want to do as a profession? Maybe yeah. we could build something around what yeah. you're interested like, in doing. Hey, hey, you want to get into medicine or you want to get into nursing or you want to get into computer, you know, sci- you know computer science or a STEM or the arts or whatever it might right. be. Let's build something because you got to remember that if they've been at school for some prolonged period, like all of elementary into middle school, that child has it has been, you know, run through a one size fits all curriculum mm-hmm. solution. There's been very little ability to adapt mm-hmm. what is being taught to their interest. And now this is a, a radical moment where they get to choose or have a lot of say in what, what goes on and what, and what is being learned and how right. the how that learning is structured, they have never had that opportunity before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were just putting some show, we were just talking about some show notes about writing and the writing process that we're going to be doing an episode on. And, you know, they, they may not know how to make those decisions. You know, when it comes to writing, the same thing here, they may not have know that they can even say, well, yeah, mom, I, I was wondering if I could do some, you know, computer programming stuff. Right. I've, I've always been interested in that. I play video games and stuff and I, I'd like to learn how to program. Right. Like, but they would never have that opportunity before. Absolutely. And you may, you know, need to ferret out. We talked last week about trying to uh, find things that you know they might be interested in and kind of get their, get them excited. But this is the point where right now in, in this, for the sake of transparency, you're going to be asking for their input. You're also going to be letting them know that this is a time, especially for a little bit younger kids too, this is a time when they may have big feelings and that is okay. Um, Whether they want to share them with you or they don't feel comfortable, I mean, hopefully they feel comfortable sharing with you. But I think you need to acknowledge at this stage that it's okay to have lots of feelings Mm -hmm. and um, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt mom or dad's feelings if you, you know, are if you're a little unhappy with this or you feel you haven't, you're having big emotions about this transition or you're worried about it, it's like, you know, it's not going to hurt our feelings. You, we, you know, talk about it and acknowledge that there may be lots of different feelings they have and that's totally normal and okay. Cause you wouldn't want it to like scare them that they're having, having all these different emotions. Well, now. Especially when they're in school, there is this peer pressure element to conform Right. And they may not have that ability or have never had that ability to voice their feelings. You know, like, oh, I, I can't say I don't like this because I have 30 other, 
you know, students in the classroom that, you know, might have an opinion on my feelings, right? And I don't want to share that because that makes me nervous or I'm, I'm fearful that somebody will make fun of me or I'll, you know, sound stupid or something like that. And, and they may not feel like they can put those emotions and you want to open up that door and say, no, this is one of the points of reasons why we're doing this is that we want absolutely you to have that, that ability. We want to hear from you. And, and that's where you really stress too, that this is a partnership. Yeah. I think that it's so important at, at this first, this first step of, of de-schooling is stressing that this is a team this is a partnership between you and your learner. This isn't a top-down driven educational no. approach like they're used to at school because even though they think, okay, I'm homeschooling, but now mom's my teacher. Well, yeah, mom's actually your partner and they're going to they're going to guide and support and help you in your educational journey. They're not the a, a draconian, you know, yeah. top-down they, driven. We're not dictating this. Exactly. You know, from on high. Yeah. Right. And I think if you stress the partnership, that really helps get kids' minds framed the correct way. For for younger kids, you know, your your you know, first, second, third graders, it might not resonate as they might not understand that. But you know, you're talking about a middle school child or older, they're really gonna get that whole okay, yeah. partnership that this is not what they're used to. Well, even like like what we're going through with our second grader, I I, I feel like I we, we can have that level of discussion even at mm-hmm. this level where it's like, hey, is this working for you? Is it not working for you? How can I make this better? You know, you can get that feedback. You can send the customer survey to your child. <laughs> you know, my, my, I'm going to do an MPS survey. Would would you rate this? Would would you recommend this father to <laughs> other friends and family? <laughs> well, and this is a point too where part of the deschooling process definitely is continuing to solicit open feedback. Yeah. Right, you're telling them at the beginning, I want your feedback, I want to hear from you, yeah. I want your input, I want of, your feelings. But then you got to check back through as you're going through this process and say, how's things going? How do you feel? Uh-huh. All of these pieces of transparency are going to need to be things that aren't don't just happen once. They continue to happen. And I think what goes along with that is telling your your learner that this is an evolving process. It's not static. Whatever we start with on day one of our homeschooling journey, it is truly a journey. And we're going to evolve together and it's going to change and it's going to look different some days and we're going to find it out the right way, but we're going to do it together. Um, so I think that that gives, I think if you can set all of those open and transparent foundational pieces and then keep reminding your learner through this de-schooling process about these different points that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm here to support you. I'm on your team. This is going to evolve and change. It's okay if you have big feelings. How do you think it's going? What are you interested in? You know, continuing to ask those questions and just come from a place of real curiosity and openness is going to do so much of the heavy lifting for you and help because so much about about uh, school, school, regular school, it's purely academic, but homeschool is not. There's, there's so much about um, emotion and connection and, you know, the, the psychology of, you know, our kids and our family dynamics. And there's just, there's a lot more wrapped up in it. So I think that this is a great basis for the, the de-schooling process. Well, and the transparency naturally leverages into the idea of the education and in the various aspects of education right. that um, I think key in on the fact that you have a good, you know, relationship that you've built. Um you know, as we talked about before, that we may have some baggage as educators in understanding what, you know, what does school look like, that quote unquote looks like. Mm-hmm. And and as homeschoolers, we all understand that 
There is no looks like. It is what works with your family. And each and every situation is different. Each and every child in the household is different. So if you're thinking about de-schooling multiple children, your methods of education may be different across those two children. You may have a child who's very, you know, into school bookie work type of thing, want to do a lot of workbooks. And the other one is more of a project-based, experiential, um, uh, getting their hands dirty and being more hands-on on on things. Or you may have a high-touch child and a low-touch child. And, you know, understanding that that even within what quote-unquote looks like, it could be different just across the, the children in your household. And even so far as it could be different across different subjects. Like my daughter is starting to look more like a workbook math student and a very high touch reading student where she needs a lot of interaction Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But with these like moments of isolation (laughs) where she can go off and read alone and do things alone. So even between the subjects, I have to approach it slightly different and you need to make sure that you're not thinking that, okay, everything has to look the same. Right. And, and and having that baggage right. come with you. And then it should look like school at home. This yeah, is that right. point where... That school at home is a big one. Yeah. If you, you haven't homeschooled before, you're really, you may have this conception of it that um, it isn't really what it's going to end up being in the end for your family. So you really have to let go of what school looks like. Yeah. And... and what it what you think it should look like and really embrace this period and the freedom to experiment and this is mostly for parents um kids i i don't think that they need to like let go of what school looks like they're they're gonna kind of you know you're setting that tone as the parent Mm -hmm. but if you're gonna try to take school and translate it to home um that's that's gonna be probably a recipe for challenges, right? Because very few homeschools actually look like a school classroom. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've yet to meet one. Maybe there are some out there that they their, their, their homes really function like a classroom, but I don't know many that do or any that do. Um, so we have to, as parents, we've got to let that go. And that can be a real challenge. Well, and I think, you know, just going more towards talking about like what school is doing, like the structure of school when we think about it is trying to teach, you know, to as many children as possible mm-hmm. with the least amount of of labor, right? So I have one teacher. How many teacher, mm-hmm. how many kids can that one teacher teach? You know, when you get down to the one-on-one or the one-on-two or the one-on-three, it can look drastically different. Right. If you think about like in the same idea, maybe if I could draw an analogy to like a big farm and like a small farm. Right. So a big farm is very mechanized. They're using GPS. They're doing, you know, soil testing. They're growing one crop across, you know, large area. Yeah. And then if you're looking at like a small hobby farm or, you know, an organic farm that's down the road, they may only have one acre, two acres. They're using different tools. They're growing maybe more variety. Um, They're maybe using different methods and maybe a lot more hands on. So if you can kind of see the difference between say like a mass production education system and kind of like a, you know, a, a hobby farm type of education yeah, system, absolutely. I think it's a good analogy. I, I think that, that, that goes that way. And and when you're doing that, you're starting to get a lot more input. And so once you get past what you think school should be is now you're starting to think about, well, what can school be to my learner and what can my learner 
give me in the terms of guidance and what can I do to create that and foster that? Right. So this is about asking your your child for input about what they're interested in learning. Um, So if they don't know, you know, grab some library books, watch some documentaries about things that you think they might like, see what might pique their interest. Um, So if they already know, great, run with that. If they don't, make some educated guesses and take take some chances, right, on things that you think would be nice. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a leader this year for, for Girl Scouts, for brownies. And the first, like, month, whatever, you know, it's supposed to be girl-led. So the girls are supposed to pick their badges. Well, the brownies aren't going to know what they want to do at the beginning. No. So we as leaders are, me and my co-leader are going to choose badges that we think the kids will benefit most from at the beginning, that they will like the most, and it will get that ball rolling so that we can then ask them what badges they want to do for the rest of the year after they've had a little bit of taste of what brownie badge work looks like. And they'll kind of have an idea. And this is kind of a similar thing where you as the parent educator are going to make some decisions up front, certainly get their input if they've got it to give. And you're going to be making some educated guesses based on what you know about your child, um, about what you think they might like, and you'll start in that direction. And you may have to pivot, um, but you have to kind of pick a direction and start with that. And once you pick that direction, you should be looking for free or cheap, low expectation lessons. So the best way to start with this is like unit studies, um, things that, you know, can help you and your student kind of learn. And we talked about that forming, storming, norming thing, performing. Um, This is all about where you're forming your team. So pick things that, you know, don't go out and buy a thousand dollar, um, you know, curriculum, even if you have some charter funds that you need to use, like maybe just wait on those a little bit and pick something that's cheap. Start low with low expectations so that you don't spend a whole bunch of money and then you hate this and your learner doesn't like it, but you've already wasted all of your charter school money or whatever you've got um, on this big curriculum. You want to go ahead and take this opportunity to pick smaller, more affordable things. So that that's my best advice in getting started because th- this is a, a period where you might have to make a lot of changes. <laughs> so don't invest in something big and don't invest in something that takes so much time or super involved. You've got to get a ton of books for it or it requires a bunch of other materials or manipulatives. Um, start with things that are more contained and are a little mm. bit easier to, you know, lower barrier to entry. Yeah, work out the kinks, right? Like don't, don't try to carve the bear out of a log. If it's your first time, you know, get a little whittling stick and, and learn, learn the basics, right? Love, we're big on analogies today. We're, 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 I'm going to come out with a lot of them. Like, we're like rolling in analogies. Working out, like don't go and spend $3,000 on a home gym when you don't know what you want to do. Buy a kettlebell, maybe some dumbbells and some exercise bands and see what you like, right? Like, yeah, get a pair of walking shoes and just start there. <laughs> just start there. I know it's like, it's like the same thing with homeschooling, especially if you're new to it. I, I loved your, your idea about the, the unit studies, find something that they might enjoy, mm-hmm. get into it. Now, obviously, you know, you got math and you got reading and, and, and depending on what level you're at, whether you have a middle schooler, or high schooler, or elementary or early learner, you're going to have to make decisions based on, you know, what those things are. Even more important is setting those metrics and those expectations for you as the educator. Like, this is big. What am I trying to get out of this? You know, what does my year look like? Should I be planning my entire year and expecting that my learner does X, Y, or Z when I don't even know what they're interested in or I don't even know what style of curriculum they're going to want? Should I be laying out all those expectations like, you know, a roadmap? 
and I'm going to stumble out of the gates. And what does that do to my psyche as an educator if right. my child is like, well, I don't like Look Shark and I don't care that you spent a thousand dollars on this <laughs> curriculum. Let's like let's not do let's not put you in that type of like depression. So you right. go out into the homeschool forums and you're like, my kid hates every curriculum. This is a disaster. What do I do? Right. Start small, like what you said, and and set your expectations and achievable, right? The goals that are achievable. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's that's totally true. You know, when you talk about expectations, this is one of those big pieces where mm-hmm. parents need to really let go of academic achievement. And the and and what we who have been through public or private school mm-hmm. systems think mm-hmm. about what academic achievement means. Because that's is about what grade level are they on and are they meeting all the metrics of their grade level and all that stuff. This is a this is a really hard, hard thing to do. Okay. <laughs> so our advice is to really look beyond look beyond success being measured by tests and grade level assessments and things. So if you intend to go back to school next year, if you intend to re-enroll, then obviously you're going to want to make sure that your learner is keeping up with the grade level expectations. um, And you're going to want to do some assessing towards that. And we totally get that. Um, But in this initial de-schooling period, even if you're going to have to do that later, our advice would be to create some of your own metrics. Really get to the purpose of what you... um, you know, based on your purposes for homeschooling and where you think your child's at, what are your metrics for success? And those metrics could be social and emotional. They they may not be academic things. You may you may want to see that your right. student is engaging more. They were not engaging before. They are engaging now. Right. Um, oh, your student hated reading, and your goal is that they they pick up a book and read it for pleasure. That was our goal this year. Yeah. Our goal this year was that our daughter was going to pick up a book and read it because she wanted to. No one Thank was asking. Thanks, her to Pete it. the cat. Pete the cat. That <laughs> that kid finally picked up a book and said, and she read a ton of books because she wanted to get the Pete the cat book from the library reading program because, and she read like 20 Pete the Cats. She read them at night. She read them in the morning when she woke up. I found her with a book in the car. She was like reading all the time. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is what we waited for. This was our metric. We wanted her to start reading for just pleasure. Mm -hmm. And she's finally started doing it. So make metrics that are meaningful to you, not an educational committee, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what this is about. So what is important to you? What's important to your learner? And really go easy at first. Kind of these are going to be maybe some low expectation metrics. um, And know that the metrics may change as your year goes on. So if you do intend to enroll back into school next year, maybe your initial metrics is, you know, some smaller things. Like let's say that your learner was behind in math. So your initial metric is just to get them to a place where they feel confident in math. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not even at grade level yet, but they're confident and it's not a struggle to do it. They don't hate it anymore. I mean, maybe that's your metric. You may have to go back and review some aspects of it. Like I was, I was tutoring a a student, I think just before the pandemic, um, and I was realizing that they were having some issues with some basic, you know, arithmetic mm-hmm. um, and they were doing, uh, you know, algebra. And I'm like, well, you're having trouble adding and subtracting, you know, positive and negative numbers. Maybe you should spend a little bit of time practicing adding and subtracting positive and negative numbers without the X's and the Y's and all, all mm-hmm. the other stuff in there or the powers of, you know, of two, you know, mm-hmm. powers of three. 
you know, let's, let's try to make this a little bit easier because I think you're struggling in the basics and you don't have a good level of mastery. And you may have that same issue where your student is struggling with this type of math. Well, that's because maybe they, they've lost some grounding on, on, you know, the year before the year before that. And there just need to be, you know, they need to be gone through a nice little review in order to them to feel like they have the confidence right. to do this new math. Um, I, I, that may, you may need to approach it in that manner. They may not be enjoying reading because they have to read stuffy books or things that they don't enjoy. Well, maybe they want to read um, Minecraft books or they play Halo. Maybe they want to read some novelized versions of Halo stories and stuff like that. Just something that like grabs their attention and gets them excited about you know, the experience of reading. And maybe you have to, you know, they're not reading those, you know, classic books that they tend to have to read in ninth grade or eighth grade, um, you know, whatever it might be, you know, Kill a Mockingbird or, or Tom Sawyer or whatever it might be. Um, maybe they need to read something a little bit more fun. And then you you build your metrics around that, right? right. And, and the excitement of getting them involved. And maybe you bring in something that's cool that might be a little bit different. Like, like we were just talking about today, the story of Gilgamesh, right? Or you go read Beowulf and you maybe watch it with a movie and you start to think about dynamical, mm-hmm. being dynamic in the ways that you're approaching whatever the challenge is, whether it's literature or math, um, history or, or whatever it might be that they might be struggling with. How can you be different there? Um, and approach that and, and easing yourself into this new routine of being a homeschooler, you know, finding the new rhythm. Mm-hmm. What does your day-to-day look like? You know, how, how much do they need to do? You know, am I worrying about, am I doing enough? Am, am I right. doing too little? Am I doing too much? You know, finding that new routine with your student, I think, is is critical. Yeah. So we we did some uh, our, Am I Doing Enough episodes. Yeah. We did uh, Kinder First and Second. We'll link them in the show notes yep. so you can get an idea. What we did basically was we broke down a public school day and um, all the things they did versus kind of what we did in homeschool. And you can see just how much kind of wasted time there is in the classroom because they have to teach all these kids um, and they don't have that individualized time. So if you're worried that you're not doing enough, you kind of have to, this is a parent de-schooling part where you've got to let go of the number of hours. Um, so really take a good listen to those because even if you're not, you know, uh, schooling a second grader, it, it, it extrapolates out right into the higher grades too, that you can kind of get a sense of where all that time in the classroom goes and where you would save. So think about that and then kind of build a homeschool routine that you think makes sense based on what you have to do, Mm -hmm. but really ease into that slowly with your, with your learner, because this is all new for them. And as part of the de-schooling process, you're finding what works best. We talked about whether you should like work with your kid in the morning versus in the afternoon. And it makes a huge difference when it comes to our daughter, uh, what time we work with her. And I know that a lot of kids are like that. So, uh, you know, you may need to test out a few different types of routines during this time where you're, you test a few different times of day that you do it, uh, which subjects to do first and then, and then which ones after, should you go on a walk or play outside first before you school? There's a whole lot of dynamics and feel free to experiment, but don't say like, hey, Monday we're starting school and here's our, you know, four and a half hour plan that broken down by every 15 minutes. I have seen this before on the no. Facebook groups where the moms go, does this look like a good plan before I start my first day? And everybody's like, whoa, hold your horses. Like, you know, maybe just ease into it. You know, you might start with just like one subject at a time and find where that fits best and then kind of build on it, add another. And, you know, this is a time where you don't, don't 
uh, dive in, just start wading into the pool before diving headfirst. Yeah, it's 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 a kind of balance of learning the different styles and the anxieties of that learning and and trying out different curriculums and methodologies that might you know work best for your student. I mean, all the things right. that you just pointed out is, is a lot of these nuances of approaching the learner mm-hmm. um, in in what fits best for them. Each and every one of those learners and more analogies are, are like a Lego piece, right? And you need to find the best way to fit that Lego piece. Um, into the board, right? And and how do they fit best? And, you know, where do they need to be placed to be most effective? And, you know, because when you're not being effective, I've noticed this when we're, when I'm not doing things effectively, it just creates more time. And mm-hmm. it's more time with you spending in front of them, maybe frustrated, and that can create negative experiences. I find when I'm, you know, I, when I can find the groove, things go really fast. And yeah. it's it's really smooth. Yeah, it's funny how how yeah. amazingly smooth it goes when you're when everything is like it's all firing it's all like, cylinders. Holy cow! Did we just do homeschooling in forty five minutes, fifty you know an hour, hour and a half? Right. Like it, it didn't take us two and a half hours to do homeschool today, or it didn't take us three hours to do homeschool. Right. right. We noticed, for example, with our daughters that if they watch cartoons in the morning, we get terrible homeschool. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> that's just we've just noticed that if they get up in the morning and instead they have breakfast and they play or they do art, we have much better homeschool. Yep. And we've noticed too that if we do morning basket and then take them outside for a nature walk and then come back, we have even better homeschool. So like there's different ways. This is your time. You're going to try out different curriculums. So don't get married to anything specifically. That's what we talked about, that free cheap thing. And those different curriculums too are going to help you understand your learner's different learning style and are probably going to help you suss out where they have learning anxiety from whatever they did in school. So it's, it's interesting. We've talked to parents before who've said that, you know, they're, um, I've talked to several at our parent partnership where they've, they've started the process of homeschooling and they didn't realize that there was a problem at school. Like they, they pulled their kid for one reason, let's say bullying or something, but then they started actually homeschooling and went like, oh, well, shucks. Um, my kids got a whole bunch of math anxiety. I didn't even know about that yeah, right. uh, because it wasn't reported by their teacher. So they just didn't even know about it. Um, so there's, there's some of that stuff that you're going to find out as you go through different curriculums. Uh, and if you do feel the need that you need to assess your child, then just be really cautious about that during this period. There's mm-hmm. a lot of kids that come with testing anxieties mm-hmm. and testing causes a lot of stress. If you need to figure out, you need to assess them because you need to figure out like where they're at in math or where they're at in reading. You can use uh, things like uh, All About Reading or Write Start Math have assessments on their websites that you can use to try to place your child. You can also do something a little gentler. We had a great episode a few weeks back about IXL, which is a an app-based program that we use with our daughter that she really likes and she's been a little hesitant about reading um, and she loves it for reading and it is an assessment tool and it will give you all kinds of information. So if your child's coming home and you're like, I don't even know where they're at, I have to assess, but they've got testing anxiety, you might be able to find an app-based program that might help you kind of level them in a gentle way. Just be really cautious during this time because the 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 stress of testing and all the but that baggage um, is kind of, can be really demotivating during, during this time with kids. So, you know, if you need to assess, be, be cautious. You know, we, we talked a little bit about a few minutes ago about the idea of, of meeting your, your learner where they're most challenged. Um, one of the big things is reading, reading a lot, reading mm-hmm. actively, a- approaching what the, the learner wants to, to, 
to learn and, and experience and what yep. they enjoy the most. I think there are so many kids who have during some point in schooling and that they can be at different points, but I think for most kids, and I, I think you and I both had it in high school, mm-hmm. um, maybe middle school where we, we lost that love of reading yeah. um, because the reading became boring. It became work. And yeah. like work at school, I had to read this story, I had to write this essay. Yeah, I wasn't interested I in it. I wasn't interested in it. And I'm spending all this time reading and writing with things I don't like, mm-hmm. or I wasn't as interested in when I really just want to read that fantasy book. And I really yeah. just want to read that graphic novel, or I really just want to, you know, I want to write my own graphic novel. I don't, I don't want to read this stuffy classic book because I don't care about it. I want to, I want to write something mm-hmm. that I only like space Marines. <laughs> and, and you know i want to i want to read about those things those are the i think we have to give and take like we want them to know good literature we want them to know classic themes that 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 abstract human psychology and human experience and all those type of stuffy things that we talk in liter talk about in literature classes you know the, the characters and the meaning of stories and those deeper meanings having um uh telling us something about the human condition mm-hmm. those are great and that's great. In an AP literature class, fantastic. Writing yeah. books, great. You got to be a little psychologist. You, you got to learn psychology and you got to learn these type of things. But I think what's more important is, is that we, we get people who read and they read actively right. and they, they learn they learn better writing through through reading and they get excited about the, the act yeah. of reading. I think a lot of kids will lose that in schools. I know, I know a lot of kids, we used to have, I have my cousin who... I remember seeing him, and I asked, "Hey, are you still reading a lot?" He goes, "No, nah, not anymore. Didn't have time for it. Don't didn't want to do it. It's too so busy. I'm too busy." During this deschooling time, read a lot to your kids. It yeah. doesn't have to be high literature, as you said. Embrace the fact that it may be silly. Like you yeah. know, you can get to Melville later. This the this is about it's connection. Always time for Melville. <laughs> this is about connection, right? This is about you can read while they draw or they play or you're snuggling. This is all connection time. Rediscovering the joy of reading, the love of great books, and you know this is worth all the magic treehouse, right? I would yeah. re- I would. Um, learning that books are something to love is worth hours of reading silly books if that's what they want, right? If our daughter wants us to read the I Need a New Butt book like over and over again. <laughs> they love that book. They love that book. <laughs> they point it out every time I go There's to even a game at the store they almost made us buy at Walmart the other oh day. Anyways, I digress. But the point is it doesn't matter what you're reading. It's that they enjoy the act of being read to or of reading themselves, embrace where they're at. Mm-hmm. So the next thing is really in, in this education section is to educate yourself. So one of the biggest things of de-schooling is to get yourself out of the school mindset is to listen to this podcast, watch YouTube videos, read great books, join Facebook groups for homeschoolers. Find supportive environments. Right. Learn about the different methodologies and approaches. Um, you need to you need to kind of surround yourself and immerse yourself in this new world so you can kind of understand all the different ways you could go because you have lots of options and it's not going to look like school, but what is it going to look like? And you need to see 
all these varied examples. We have a wonderful series of homeschool journey interviews with a bunch mm-hmm. of different parents, and they talk about what their homeschools look like. And guess what? They all look different. They all do. And so I think it's really great. You need to see that um, because what you want to do, the, the last big step in this education part is you want to really create a big supportive learning environment. This is, and, and listening to those journeys is going to help you see mm-hmm. what other parents are doing and maybe give you some great ideas. You want to make sure that you're making books and supplies readily available. You have a workspace that's inviting in your house, right? Nobody wants to homeschool in the middle of clutter. So you want to, you know, make a space that's cozy. If, that, if that's a cozy reading corner or you've got a, a table, your dining room table is set with all kinds of art supplies all the time. If I did not have a four-year-old, we would have a, a table set with markers and colored pencils and all that stuff all the time that our daughter could just be creative whenever. So whatever that looks like to you, make sure that you're, you don't have to make a whole homeschool room, but just make sure that you've got books and supplies and things available that you're making this environment really inviting for your student. You know, I think that's a great way to kind of round up the idea of the education and, you know, grounding your education with through transparency education. Next thing I think, you know, is to explore because mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do is say, okay, now I'm going to start to homeschool my student no matter what age or, or group they are. And then we're locked in the house. We're right. not allowed. Like, like it's like we're, yeah. we're, we're in a thriller and we can't leave the house. Right. This is the time to go and do all that stuff you never yeah. had time to do before because you were so busy. This well, because is the- trust us, we all know where all, all the homeschoolers listen, listening to this know and you're home, you're about to de-school and you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to figure out what it is. Next to you, you don't see them, but there are you know thousands of other people listening to this and they all know that it's the best time to go to things is during the middle of the day because there's nobody there. The museums, the The, zoos, the science center, the science center, get yourself annual passes, right? Get out and explore, get to the, the The parks, the local parks. They're they're all empty at this time. We have like a little museum in our little town, a historical society museum. I mean, go right. We have a reptile museum. We don't live in a very big town. We have these (laughs) kind of quirky little things. Hey, the reptile guy's pretty cool. He's really cool. So, This is the time to get out and explore and show your homeschooler, your new homeschooler, what they get to do that other students aren't having time for, right? Like, hey, guess what? We get to go to the zoo in the middle of the day. We have some friends who went to the zoo today, Today, actually, because they're homeschoolers. Mom took off work and dad's the main educator and they took their daughter to the zoo because they could and they had a wonderful day and it wasn't at all crowded. So Mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that you need to embrace and show them kind of the, the benefits of doing things you know, out of out of sequence with the rest of family. So this is a great opportunity. Also, check out all the free events and things going on. There's the library. Yeah, a lot There's of town, all yeah, kinds of stuff. Yeah, a lot of towns now are trying to get these like um, they're trying to get people excited about the town they're living in. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. almost like every little town that's like got 10, 15,000 people has this like you know, push to like discover your own town and right. all these fun things that, that happen. And all kinds of community events. Exactly, and you'll yeah. find that some things are during the day. Yeah. Um, this is a great time to really to do that. Farmer's and markets and, and all whatnot. kinds yeah. of stuff. And then go and explore to local um you know, different businesses and things that may have like homeschool classes, like, oh, Mm. homeschool swim classes. We have an aquatic center here. They have homeschool swim classes. There's homeschool dance classes and homeschool Mm. art classes, and they happen during the day. So start to explore your local community and find what can apply to you now that you couldn't do while your kids were in school. Well, and once you get outside, you start to see all these things, you're going to start to spark creativity. Mm -hmm. And you want to really try to think about, you know, how can we 
how can we how can we bring things that are interesting forward and and le- maybe leave core to the backseat a little bit? I mean, not to necessarily totally the backseat, but fostering creativity is a really important part of de-schooling because schools focus on core almost to the exclusion of the other stuff, right? Yeah. They do the other stuff. They call it specials, and they do it for like a fraction of a time each day, assuming yeah. they got their core done. They don't take the time for art yeah. and all of that and, and you know. Music. Music and, and all these other pieces, right? They don't take that time. So this is a great opportunity for you to do that, embracing art and music, getting them lots of supplies, letting your learner express themselves. You know, they can build something out of cardboard or wood or build a fort in the backyard or they can make their own cozy reading corner. The, the whole idea is about giving kids a creative outlet because they didn't really get to do that in school. And by giving them creative opportunities, it helps them to manage their emotions during this time too. It gives them an outlet. Mm-hmm. So I think the creativity is something to really embrace during this de-schooling period. Yep. Um, then beyond that, just getting outside and moving, you know, it's something that we, we, we talk about a lot is getting out and walking, playing sports outside, going biking, playing basketball, um, embracing that physical activity. You know, a lot of times we know that our, our students who go to these schools and, or the private schools, they're stuck in the chairs all day. They might move yeah. around a little bit. They um, keep cutting recesses. Yeah. They, making like them shorter. Elementary, and... we know, yeah, less and less recess. They're, they're not getting that physical activity. And I think, you know, one of the, I think my, my first college I went to had a, had a motto, sound minds. Oh no, my, my high school had the sound mind, sound body. And they knew those two things come together, right? The idea of, of studying really hard and then physical activity, they tend to work hand in hand. Like if you do a lot mm-hmm. of physical activity, your brain um, has more, you know, your, your body's not fidgety, you can be calm, you can then do your do your work. And I think one of the things with my high school was um, not only do we have small classes, like, you know, 78 kids per grade type of thing, they had some statistic that 80 or 90% of the, of the students that we have engage in extracurricular activities and sports. And so we had our kids who are physically athletic and also um, really good at academics. And, I, and I've always kept that in my mind as sound mind, sound body. And even now with my homeschooling, I'm really starting to think about getting my kids outside. Like with my daughter, we'll, we'll do a couple lessons and I'll say, hey, let's get outside and shoot some baskets because I want you to get better at dribbling and, and shooting baskets and whatnot. Um, hey, let's get outside and let's do some volleyball practice because I know you're going to be doing volleyball this fall for the first time and I, I want you to be good and I want you to have fun and I want you to have the experience. So let's do some practicing. You know, hey, let's go on a nature walk. Let's go on a nature walk. Let's talk about our local trees and and let's go visit um, the river. Let's go visit those lakes. Let's do a hike up to the dam that's right up the road. You know, let's go, you know, down the way and see um, these beautiful mountains. Let's see if we can go to the coast and look back. Like, you know, we have the Cascades here and there are points where you can be on the coast in the Puget Sound and look back and you will just see this panorama of mountains, Mm -hmm. you know. What's the big one to the north? Well, that's Mount Baker. What's the big one to the south? Well, that's Mount Rainier. And what are the ones in the middle? Pilchuck and th- Three Sisters and all you can see all the mountains, right? Like have that experience. Go to the islands. We have a lot of islands here in the Puget Sound. Yeah. Whatever the geography is of your area, really em- embrace being outside and getting moving and having them experience the world around you. Because last thing you want to do is have them, you know, they're stuck in a classroom or they move between classrooms, but they're stuck in the school right? It's in between the walls and the glass and life is stuck between walls and glass. And when you're homeschooling, it doesn't have to be stuck between walls and glass. The world is your, the world is essentially your classroom and you should really yeah. embrace that. And Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that, of getting them out and thinking about, 
you know, what is in your local area, what, not just your town, but your region, mm-hmm. your geography, and all the fun things that are out there in the world. And you don't have to be stuck in a classroom all day long. And think about like you're going out with your mom and dad or your mom or your dad or whatever and doing your schooling. What a great time to have great conversations, right? Yeah, this is another part of the connection, right? Those nature walks, that time spent playing basketball together, all that. This is again connecting and getting all that fresh air and stuff. It, it just, it's so helpful. Yeah. Um, so the next piece we wanted to talk about with de-schooling is about sharing your own talents. This is a time where you need to take things that you love to do mm-hmm. and Build connection with your learner by sharing with them. Do you love to cook? Great. Let's see about getting your learner in the kitchen with you and making something they might be interested in. Or does grandpa play the piano? This is might be a great chance for grandpa to bond with your student by doing piano together or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, you don't have to take on everything, but the, the point is about sharing a piece of yourself. And this is, again, part of that transparency and openness and saying like, hey, we're a team. You know, I told my daughter, like, I love musicals. And she's like, I could be into that like okay so we started studying musicals together and now we go to the theater you know once every other month or something and we see something and we have a musical chart and we scratch it off um and you know so it's like a thing that we've done because that's something that i love and she loves sharing it with me so you need to share of yourself it's it's a big part of i think the partnership and being very authentic with your student um we talked a little bit earlier about finding that community and, and the importance of that um, but really finding friends and having people yeah. you can lean on, whether it's through a co-op, a parent partnership, or just getting enrolled in other homeschooling groups, you will discover other parents that are in the same situation as you. Right. You you need another homeschooling parent. You need yeah. a homeschool bestie. Find your people. Right. You need somebody that you. And we can worry talk about with. the kids' socialization. You need socialization. You you do. And I think this is a big part of the de-schooling process, right? Your kids need to develop some new friendships so that they can grow as homeschoolers and and find their community and 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 find that normalcy and and take some of that anxiety away of, you know, would they be weird? Would they not have friendships anymore? All that kind of stuff, right? Friends is great. They need to find friends, but you need to find friends because you need parents to bounce stuff off of. You need to say like, oh my gosh, this morning I tried to do this and it did not work. You got any ideas? And you're hearing from these other homeschool moms are like, okay, wait, wait. That was, that was my last Tuesday. Yeah, that happened. Oh, here's what I did. You know, whatever (laughs) you, you need close homeschool mom, mom or dad or whatever friendships, um, to help you. And one of the great places you can look is on your local Facebook groups, um, for your, for your area, local homeschool, Facebook groups and meetups. Yep. Meet up, get yourself out there. Even if you tend to be more introverted and you're not as outgoing, this is a point where you really need to meet some other folks. The, the homeschool Girl Scouts that we found, like our whole school, Girl Scout troop is- They're all, all home, homeschooled. They're yeah. all homeschoolers. I mean, what a great way to not only have your, your learner meet new, new friends- um, but also for you to meet right. new parents. Right, now I have tons of moms that I know. Exactly. And I can be like, oh, are you? what are you using for math? Because uh, this isn't working out for me or whatever. <laughs> like you need you need some people to bounce ideas off and it really helps you get into the culture of homeschooling by getting in with some folks that, that are currently active homeschoolers. And you know, all these things, the education, the, you know, the, the, the getting out in the community, sharing things uh, with your learner, all of these things and the transparency and the communication and all these things wrap up into kind of like a general ethos that we, we would you probably want to have, which is this is a journey. Your your children are going through You this, and your children. Are, yeah, you guys are we're going on an adventure. <laughs> yeah. And and you're going on a journey. 
and you want you want this to be a good experience and you can need to have all these um, things i mean listen listen I, as a homeschooling parent some days man just ain't gonna just not cutting it and i'm just not into it today or whatever we totally understand that's normal that's okay doesn't have to be 100% doesn't have to be soft lighting with you know Martha Stewart uh, lighting and Some everything these YouTube videos man they just make it look like they make it look perfect and these children right. these children are sitting there they're doing all their montessori yeah. stuff what you don't realize is they're strapped into the couch like the mom carefully just they, she tied them to the couch and they're not able to get up it's just painted white and it I looks see like the some white of these couch. and they're like the, they're like this. got white the yeah. white cream colored couches they're doing like montessori projects i'm like there's not even any like gummy bears stuck look, to the couch cushions look, like <laughs> look at my lovely my look at my two-year-old carrying kool-aid through the house oh my God. <laughs> i see some of these in, with the perfect lighting i'm not saying that those lives don't exist if that's your life man wow i'm in i'm envious um it, it doesn't lies but yeah it's not all <laughs> positive but this this period isn't something to fear it's something yeah. to embrace exactly. so enjoy this journey enjoy the de-schooling process know that there's going to be good days there's going to be bad days <laughs> hopefully there's more good days than bad days and that you start trending up towards you know having lots and lots of good days but enjoy this journey give give yourself and give your student a, a lot of like leeway mm -hmm. give yourself some grace in this process right because you don't want to be too hard on yourself and you want to, you want your learner to know not to be too hard on themselves, right? Maybe, maybe you've got a learner who's super excited about homeschooling. They're like, yeah, shush, I'm done with school. You know, <laughs> I want to homeschool. And then they start getting into it and they start, they immediately start struggling with one of the subjects that you're teaching. And then they're beating themselves up. Our daughter has kind of a perfectionist streak. She does. And that's one of her big problems with reading is that she's doesn't feel like it's okay to get things wrong or have to sound them out extra or have to ask for how to say something, you know, and have to ask for help. That she really struggles with that. So, you know, this is a, a point where you need to to enjoy the journey yourself and don't be hard on yourself and tell your learner not to be hard on themselves. Yeah, right. Because this is a process for them too, right? And they need to enjoy kind of figuring out where how everything fits together and how it's going to work yeah and then remember that you don't have to be on the same sequence as public schools um now obviously the, with the one caveat that is if you're planning to re-enroll soon or in the mm -hmm. near future you, you probably want to try and keep in line with what they're doing but if you're kind of on your own and your state doesn't have very rigorous requirements of reporting or whatnot then you can have a lot more freedom. Like, oh, your you know your state has to do you know your state's history this year. Well, maybe you don't have to do that. Right. This year. Every third grader in our state does state history, whatever mm -hmm. it is, or you know, every third grader does ancient civilizations or whatever. And you're like, eh, we're not into it. Don't. Right. Yeah. Just don't. It's Just, cool. It, we always were worried about, like, we, we said before we started, well before we started homeschooling, oh, well, we just, we want to keep up with what the kids in the public school know because we wouldn't want our daughter to get into a situation where everybody knows about something and she doesn't. Mm -hmm. That has never, ever happened. I have never seen a kid, kids talk about what they're learning in school, like when they're playing. Nobody's ever like, well, you don't know about Abraham Lincoln, you know, like nobody, nobody's doing that. So maybe we're not at the level yet. And second graders just don't really talk about what sure. they learn. But I have listened to the older girls at Girl Scouts and they are 11 and 12 year old. And nobody's talking about what they're learning in homeschool. They're just, they're having normal yeah. teenage type conversations about other stuff. So I think don't keep up with the Joneses. It doesn't matter. Do what interests you and what you're into. There's time later to catch up with whatever it is you 
you know, they need to know that other kids already know. Yeah, I've seen enough YouTube man on the street interviews to know that most people don't know anything. So, <laughs> so <laughs> ain't that the truth? Ain't the truth. Um, next thing is obviously we talked about managing your expectations. You know, don't bite off more than you can chew. Um, jumping into it, I you know I find sometimes that I like to do a little bit too much, um, and you know it might be like, hey, we're pushing too much information through, and it's not really that important to move mm-hmm. this fast. You know, we do homeschooling all year round. So I like to take advantage of the fact that, oh, we get an extra three months of education a year. And I need to like put that in perspective and understand that, well, maybe I don't need three extra months. Maybe an extra month or month and a half is fine. Mm-hmm. And maybe I have a little bit more free time here and here and here. And I can spread that out and have a little bit more enjoyable experience. And my, you know, my learner doesn't get burned out um, or we're doing too much or we're biting off too right. much. Like, oh, I've got to manage like seven curriculums. And it's, you don't have to do that. That's. Um, try to approach it in in a, in a layered manner, you know? Right. Yeah. It's not like you have to, even if you have to teach like, you know, our state's like 11 subjects, you don't have to teach all 11 subjects at once. You could do, uh, six weeks of science and then do six weeks of history and then do like a unit study in the summer around, um, the local tribes of our area or or the history of the state. And you can cover that in a couple of weeks. Right. You could do, you don't have to do everything all at once because you will burn out and you'll burn your learner out. Well, and there are some schools and I almost went to one Appalachian state. Um, may they burn forever for beating Michigan in that one game. But, um, Appalachian state did this, um, style of, of learning where they focus on one subject, uh, intensely for like six weeks. Mm-hmm. And so like you say, for example, you're in science, um, you only have one class, you don't have four or five college classes. And I don't know if they're still doing this, but you know, they would do this for like six straight weeks and they would only take one class and that's all you end up focusing on. And you work on it and you're doing it for like three or four hours a day. Sounds really nice, actually. And then after the end of that six weeks, you move on to your math class. Or then you move on to your history class. And then you move on to your language class. And you really, really focus on intensively learning something. And so there's different theories on way to approach things. You don't have to maybe balance seven or eight curriculum plates at one time. You know, your student might say, I'd like to focus on one thing and really important, you know, intensively. And, and maybe they'll say, okay, well, I'll do math and some of my reading or composition stuff here. And if I can just do a little bit of that every day, fine. But this other stuff I'd like to do just like six weeks and then I want to move on to something else. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't layer too many things at once because be, it's be, just going to be hard. It's kind of what I'm saying. Absolutely. If you can remain flexible, you know, this is a, a real time of change and there could be a lot of things that you need to work out and a lot of things that you need to do differently. So don't be married to anything specifically or one specific learning approach or one specific curriculum. Yeah. Really just try to kind of roll with it a little bit in this, in this time period. Yeah. Like don't rush to this end goal. You know, like, oh my gosh, we got to, you know, do this curriculum or that my school should look like this. Yeah, or, my, my ideal uh, homeschool is yeah. this. And we do these things every day and we have this kind of connection. Then we do outdoor classroom and we do kitchen classroom on the weekends. We have all this stuff, right? Because you've heard about all these other homeschoolers and their stories. Yeah, right. Maybe you've been listening to our podcast for a while and just, you're like, this is, this is the vision I have in my head of what my homeschool is going to look like. And I think that's great. Keep your vision, but don't rush yourself to get to that point. There is no... You know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard to get to that ideal. I don't even know that we're at our homeschooling ideal yet. I, I don't know what the homeschooling ideal is, but I don't know. I, I don't know but there's, I still think we could always be continuously improving. So yeah. if I think that's the engineer in both of us, it, it is that continuous seeking, continuous improvement. So yep. don't, don't rush yourself to get to your end goal. Um, 
And it's really important. You know, your learner will show you that they're learning. Mm-hmm. So it may be unconventional, <laughs> um, but you'll see whether your efforts are working. It's not a quick process. So, you know, initially you need to enjoy the aha moments and the excited requests. If, you know, hey, I want to explore this other topic or, you know, I, I'm really interested in, you know, how engines work or whatever, rather than pushing for achievement, enjoy those moments where things are clicking because you will see in every every few days or whatever our daughter shows us in some weird way that she's like oh she ties two books together we read six months apart and she remembers this piece or whatever or i'll over that artwork here and she points you it goes oh in this book on page 34 there's yeah she finds it or i'll hear our daughters doing imaginative play and they will they will play like they're from a country that we studied a year and a half ago and they remember bits about it so it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily in the conventional ways you would test that you might see that they're learning but they are learning you are going to get to see the kind of the proof in the pudding but it's not going to be instantaneous. So yeah. just be patient. Absolutely. And, you know, moving moving to probably one of the more difficult portions, we have a whole episode on the naysayers. Um, but when you are going into this kind of de-schooling period, it may look extremely unconventional to people who are used to the education system, um, you know, the larger you know public school, private mm-hmm. school education um, a methodology. You may get a lot more naysayers because they may say, okay, well, fine, you're homeschooling, great. What, what math curriculum are you on? Well, you know, what are you using yeah. here? And what are you How using do you here? know that they're learning? How do you know they're learning? What, you How know? do you know this is the right decision for them? You, you could get a lot of people, but look, you've made a really brave decision Yeah. because you're thinking outside the box. Um, you're putting your kids first and it can be really scary, right? You can doubt yourself often, <laughs> right? Um, but you have to trust that it's all going to come together. And if nothing else happens, if you end up going back to school next year, because this just didn't work for you, right? Homeschooling wasn't right for your family. Enjoy this time that you got to spend with your kids because you don't get this time back. So enjoy what you have now and, you know, embrace it and just kind of let it go. We always, we always said, you know, initially your parents were not in support of us Mm -hmm. homeschooling, Mm -hmm. not like terribly insupportive, but they just really just didn't get it. They were very worried that our kids would be strange. And at this point, your mom is like telling people at the dentist's office, oh, you're thinking about homeschooling? Oh my gosh, you have to do it. My de- granddaughter's just, she's she's like proud as a peacock about yeah, how yeah. her grandkids are doing with homeschooling because the proof really was in the pudding and she saw for herself. And I think that that's a real key to the naysayers that are close to you in your life, not the random people that you meet at the grocery store who are like, why aren't your kids in school in the middle of the day? Um, for that, watch our episode or listen to our episode. But for the people in your life, this is about giving it time to develop and then they will see it. Right. Or you'll go back to school. School's always there, right? Your public school will always be there for you. It will always be there. So, um, that's all of our tips for de-schooling. This is a really it's important time. It's been a time. really good like back-to-back episode. Right. Here. But yeah. the last closing thought, we said this on the last episode, but above all else in your de-schooling, all the steps, if you have a chance to choose connection, always choose it. Mm-hmm. Always choose connection over academics or anything else because the most important thing you can do during this time is to build that strong relationship with your kids so that you guys can be successful together in the future um it's it's all it's also about connection that we just want to really stress that if there's you have choices to make between you know two different paths during this transitionary time choose connection always choose connection well it's one of the things that we all we heard over the pandemic um not not true for everybody, but for a lot of people, they they really 
you know, look back on some of the silver linings of, of that time period, which was, oh, I got to spend a lot more time with my family. Yeah. And I really liked that. I loved spending more time with my spouse. I loved seeing my kids more. And people got to experience that a little bit more. Now it was, you know, obviously a rolling tragedy, but yeah, you know, yeah. It, it there were some elements in there that that was. You you'll hear people say, you know, for all the bad, it was. Well, I got this little bit of a good. I got to spend more time. We got to watch our our youngest. You got to watch our youngest um, go from you know seven months to three years, yeah. and you got to experience that because you you didn't. I don't think you got to see it as much with our oldest because yeah, you were exactly. at work working. and and you were able to be home and you saw him and you know the, the experience of a nine-month-old banging on your door as you're, <laughs> you're on a meeting um you know those those memories will be there and, and homeschooling is kind of like um that experience all the way through right we're always home with our kids we're yeah. experienced with uh, a lot more with our kids we're have more connection we're we're guiding them and, and having that experience and I, and I agree with you i think the connection is the one thing that you'll I think with the homeschooling is you'll you'll never you'll never look back and say I wish I didn't do that because right. having that experience with them is whether it's for a year, two years, or twelve, I think it's worth its weight in gold. So. It is, and the connection is the thing that you rely on when stuff's not going well. Yeah, right. When you are fighting through, when you're trying to get math done or whatever, yeah. and you're and you're, you and you will and you will have those moments. That it's never going to be a smooth will. ride. Yeah, but you lean back on your connection, right? Because yeah. there are times when you say, when you can, if you have a strong connection, like you do with our daughter, you can say, "Hey, look, I." I know that this isn't the greatest thing right now, but we really need to do this together so that we can move on to this more fun thing. And how about we do this? And then, mm. you know, we'll jump to something you want to do. And because you have that connection, you can get through. Or if she's being just like really combative, you can say, you know, daddy's just really frustrated right now because of how you're treating me. And this is how I feel. And because you're well connected, she's like, Oh, okay, and she clues into that, right? Yeah. That it's it's the the basis, the foundation of everything, and it is that tool that you need to pull on all the time in your tool chest to get through the tough days. That connection yeah. gets you through; nothing else will. So, um, just you know, it's, it's, that's it's our, either our that or it. it's either that or uh, lean on open bribery and take them to the Lego store. Okay, so let's end. The, I, <laughs> I know was, it was a long episode, but this yeah. is such an important topic. Uh, yeah. We just felt like we couldn't shortchange it. So yep. if you have ideas on deschooling that we haven't talked about, yep. you know, leave us a comment on YouTube. Yeah, or continue that conversation. Or uh, continue go to the Facebook, Facebook group. Yeah. Um, we'll do a real quick what what we're consuming um, that we were doing. Is that cake? On Netflix um, is a oh, show yeah. that our daughters are really into. Um, speaking of, of watching uh, morning TV, they do, they got to do that this morning, and they went right to the uh, Netflix and they got the Is yeah. That Cake? It's a it's a, just like a silly little game showy type of cooking show where um, contestants have to guess if things are cake or not, and then they're chefs, and then they have to go into like a competition to then make something, and, and the these judges have to then guess which one is cake and which one's not. And it it's a kind of a fun show. And it was really funny because I my, my daughters were sitting there on the on the couch and there was this point where this point where like all nine other chefs have to like guess in this like, I don't know, living room, uh, what things in the living room are cake. And it's like there's a couch, there's an ottoman, chairs and lamps and all this <laughs> stuff, and a vase and all these you know, books and whatnot. And they're all sitting there going, uh, I think it might be the books. I think it might. Mm-hmm. And my two daughters are like, it's the books. I think it's the books. No, it's the face. It's the face. And they're like <laughs> doing their own little guessing. Yeah, it's almost like a look and find. It's like a look and find and everything. So it's really, really fun, really, really cute. Uh, low stakes. 
Um, it's not one of those like crazy cooking shows. It uh, will it could, however, though, make your student want to make elaborate cakes. So, I mean, you know, proceed with caution because our kids were like, hey, let's get fondant. I'm like, no, let's not get fondant. Well, they, they know because I, I as a joke, uh, two years ago, my mother asked me for my birthday, you know, what, what cake would you like? And I sent her, um, just as a joke, a dump truck cake, um, a carrot cake that was made in, in the in dump truck, and I'll I'll put it in the show notes. And, and, then and the wheels were little chocolate donuts, cho- chocolate donuts and stuff. And and on my birthday, she came home, she came over, and she's like, "Happy birthday!" And she opens up the cake, and she made that exact dump truck cake. Yeah. She goes, she goes, I go, Mom, I wasn't really serious. She goes, Well, I called you on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see my daughter's doing the same thing. There was supposed to be a taco cake last year, but we didn't get to, get around to it. So. Thanks, guys, for, for joining us. Um, hope you guys enjoy um, the, the, the de-schooling episodes, and we'll move on to something fun next week, I think. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!